You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome, 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 friends. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, weird history, and today, food history. I am so excited that we have a guest today, Claudia Hanna, culinary tour guide, faculty at the University of Virginia and James Madison, and host of the upcoming, when this podcast comes out, uh, it will already be out, but the host of If This Food Could Talk. Welcome, Claudia. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much, Taya, for having me. Of course, of course. Thank you. I'm so excited. You had me hooked at uh, History of Olive Oil because uh, we love weird history here and nothing weirder than a little bit of food history. So I'm so excited to have you on today. Uh, but before we get into the history of olive oil, could you tell me how you got into being a culinary tour guide? I have never heard of that job position before. I'm so lucky. I think I'm probably the luckiest person, maybe, <laughs> it, who, or I just kind of fell into it uh, quite cheaply. So my, um, I actually have an MBA in corporate finance. It is oh, wow. totally different. It is totally <laughs> different. Worked in corporate finance for a few years uh, out of grad school. He did my job. Turned out I'm <laughs> not very good with uh, Excel spreadsheets. Gotta <laughs> should have thought about that before going to grad school. And then ended up my husband at the time. We fell pregnant with our first child. My husband's from Cyprus. It's an island in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And we fell pregnant with our first child. And then we were still chained to a desk and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, and then I quickly fell br- pregnant with a second child. So my wow. husband said, do you want to go and spend a few? So Cyprus was becoming part of the European Union and it was yeah. just growing by leaps and bounds. He said, do you want to go back to Cyprus for a few years? Just mm-hmm. for a couple of years until yeah. Ella goes to school is what we kept saying for ourselves. <laughs> air quotes. <laughs> air quotes. I've got the air quotes up, guys. And then um, we ended up going to Cyprus. I had a two-year-old in one arm and a six-month-old or a four-month-old in the next arm. And it was just supposed to be for two to three years. And yeah. we ended up staying longer. And I would write, it was pre-Facebook and it was pre, yeah, it was kind of like a long time ago. Um, and But I would send these emails back to friends and they were like, what are you doing on the island? How did you retire at age 30? And I'm like, I'm not retired. I'm, we're, it's life. We're working out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started to kind of like teach about, it's, explain about how the Mediterranean lifestyle Mm. Uh, how people lived out here and a lot of my friends and it kind of grew into this like organic email newsletter that got bigger and bigger and when I re- we moved back to the United States about eight years ago and I started I reached out to James Madison University and I said would you mm-hmm. like to have some uh teaching I'd love to teach some of your classes here I've been getting getting a lot of people asking me about authentic Mediterranean cooking classes mm-hmm. They said, of course, and since I had that master's degree, they're like, come on in. And so I started to teach these Mediterranean cooking classes. Eat like a Greek is what they were called. And I taught, you know, how to make an original souvlaki or how to make a spenokopata or the importance of choosing a good olive oil. I know. Um, and, And then it turned into... 
Well, then the people who are asking me or taking my classes were typically members of the community. So I taught little kids. I teach college students. I would teach graduate students. And then I eventually started to teach uh, people who were part of the community, a little bit older and wanted to cook, you know, just not just college kids. And they were like, you know what, Claudia, you keep talking to us about olive oil and yogurt and cheeses and whatever. Why don't you just take us there? I was like, you guys want to go? And they're like, of course we want to go. And so since I had spent a decade on the island, I started mm -hmm. to, I had a lot of connections in Greece, Cyprus, Turkey. I'm of Egyptian origin. So I have a lot of contacts in Egypt as well as Israel. And so I've kind of got this Eastern Mediterranean and I speak all those languages. I speak mm -hmm. Arabic and Greek and Turkish and, you know, all of that. And so I became this conduit in a weird way yeah. between the West to the East. So I bring people from one culture and I give them a very authentic taste of the old world and they get to live like a local, which turns out to be they love it. And I'm like, awesome. So I get to keep coming back. I get to escape my children I <laughs> home and I get, I keep like taking tour groups and people who want to just travel and taste the med. Oh my That's gosh. Kind of. I want to travel and taste the med. I know. Well, come join me. Join yes. me. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. That sounds so exciting. So, and then you started, you know, getting more and more into the teaching part and the food part. And you obviously clearly have a love for olive oil. So when, at what point did you start, you know, really studying olive oil and, and getting into the history of olive oil? Well, so I am coming at this as a total foodie, and I have yeah. to be very clear with that. Mm -hmm. um, I have always, so when I teach my classes at the universities, I teach it as like, this is the origin of the food because I'm just interested, right? Yeah. I'm a, I, I love history and I like to feel connected to mm -hmm. the food item. So the show title is If This Food Could Talk, and yeah. we view food as a vehicle to transport us back through time. So mm -hmm. if, what would this food item, this meal have said to us? It has seen, and especially in the terms of olive oil, what has it seen over the decades, the yeah. centuries, the millennia, because it has been around for thousands of year, mm -hmm. years. You know, which, which empires has it gone through? Has it lived? I feel what we discovered was that you know, and I say we because I do have a production team, fortunately, mm -hmm. uh, with If This Food could, could Talk. Yeah. We are, we really think of it as history on a plate. How did we, yeah. thank you. Yeah, but it's true. Like, we are connected to the past. Mm -hmm. And when we use a vehicle that we all love, like food, yeah. which is delicious, yeah. then we're connected to our roots. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and then what brought us to what, how did we, it come to the United States? What brought it to the U.S.? And so it became almost like, because this is how I think of food and olive oil in particular, like mm -hmm. it has got this rich, rich history. Everything's got an origin. Who does yeah. actually first start using that item as a food item? Yeah. And then how did it travel? And so food has become, in my mind at least, mm -hmm. this great American immigrant story. 
Because the food immigrates, right? It follows. It yeah. So like then what causes it? So and as a child of immigrants myself, mm -hmm. I really connect with food in that way. Just kind of like, what brought you over? What made, it's like, talk to me, buddy. And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a similar story. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We here at For the Love of History, we love being connected to history. Mm -hmm. It's very important to us here. So I, I think that you're the absolute perfect guest to tell us all about the origins of olive oil. So with that, it's a perfect segue. Can you tell us who started using olive oil? What are some of the first, you know, uses of olive oil? Well, I have to say something, and I've got a caveat all this, because Ooh, no okay. one knows exactly Ooh. when, the where and when the very first olive oil was. Okay. And so there have been stories mm -hmm. and that's what we have right now are oral stories that the original olive tree came from what is now modern day syria oh and then immigrated and moved migrated i should say i've also heard that the oldest olive tree is actually in bethlehem to this day five thousand years old oh my god it is <laughs> Huge. It is huge. I've seen pictures. I've got to send them to you. Yes, please. Yes. yes, I'll be happy to. Where we focus a lot of our story because it has the largest written history mm -hmm. is in ancient Greece, okay. specifically in Crete. We've got trees there that are considered monument trees, literally monumental trees. Wow. And to be considered a monument tree, they've got to be at least 3,000 years old. <laughs> Just a casual 3,000 years. <laughs> Just a casual 3,000 years old. And like, they are so wide. You need to like, you, you stretch your arms around it and it needs like about three to four people to circle the the base of the tree wow. just to kind of go around it. They don't what? get super high. It's yeah. not like they are, you know, 200 feet in the air. They're not like redwood trees high. No, they are yeah. absolutely not. They are because if you think about it, they are producing a fruit and you mm -hmm. got to reach the fruit. Right. And they are still, these 3,000 year old trees are still producing fruit that are harvested. What? I know. That's, That's so some, weird. that is some mama tree. If you think that about is, it, that is a mama tree, right? That tree so is mother. Given and, <laughs> and giving and giving annually. That is insane. So, okay, tell me about how these like olives were harvested and used back back in the Dizay three thousand yeah. years ago. <laughs> well, so we're when we go back three thousand, four thousand years ago, yeah. we're in the Minoan civilization. Okay. okay, so that's not we're looking at the Minoan period in ancient Crete, where that is. Okay. And we know that the tree was used. There's actually stories. There are stories. Sorry. There are fossils. Forgive me. Fossils of olive pits and leaves that were in volcanic ash in Santorini that are at least 10,000 years old. That's how old they are. It's been around for a long time. But what we, I know there's like olive pit fossils. Um, <laughs> but when we're talking about written history, mm -hmm. what we have access to is the, the oldest that we could discover were the mm -hmm. Minoan civilizations of ancient Crete in Got Greece. It. The ancient Cretans and the Minoans considered olives to be a sacred tree. 
They were, it was revered. And so one of the reasons it is revered is because they use every portion of the tree. It is, it is, you use the fruit and we'll get into this, a kind of like how the tree was used, but nothing was wasted. So what I could find out, what I could research was that the olive tree, there are wild trees and there are domesticated trees. Okay. The domesticated trees, oftentimes there's going to be a wild one growing from the earth indigenously in these mm-hmm. parts of the world in the Eastern Mediterranean. And they will take a branch from, so I don't know who made the first domesticated tree. I will yeah. be very honest. No one's got that. <laughs> uh, but they'll take a domesticated tree and graft it to a wild tree. And so that's how some of these ancient trees that are on people's lands to this day, they're just sitting in someone's backyard and they've got these multi-thousand year old tree. Uh, They've been grafted by somebody's ancestor and they, they just keep going. So we know that the Minoans revered the olive tree Mm -hmm. because of what's written on pottery that we've been able to find. What was interesting, and this is a really cool story. So ancient Egypt is not that far away, right? It's like Egypt to Crete is probably several hundred miles away from one another. But for some reason on the African continent, or at least much of what of ancient Egypt, trees, uh, olive trees were not, are not grown. They just don't grow indigenously. Hmm. Maybe. I think they need a little bit cooler weather than what was there than in ancient Egypt. And the Nile produced a lot of water. Yeah. And the olive tree does not do well with water. It likes a drier climate. It definitely likes a drier climate. Um, and and we'll talk about that in a little bit, about like okay, when why it requires an, a drier climate. So right around 300 BC, that's when Alexander the Great what conquered ancient Egypt. We have, do you know what amphoras are, Taya? Are they trees? Amphoras, <laughs> yeah. Are No, they're like these clay potteries. They're oh. these clay two-armed, I'm trying to, I'm holding my hands out. Um, <laughs> I'll insert a picture. <laughs> thank you. Insert a picture of Claudia, like holding these two pots. But it's like a double, double-headed pottery. Okay. 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 They're made of clay. And we have, there are ancient shipwrecks in the Eastern Mediterranean that has mm-hmm. been discovered that are en route from Rhodes, from Crete, and that they're on their way to Egypt. And whether it was through pirates mm-hmm. or through bad weather, no one really knows the reason that uh, a, the ship had wrecked. Mm-hmm. But we found these olive pits, olives had been there. There, There's wine, there's olives, and there are almonds that have all been found at the bottom of the Mediterranean in these ancient amphoras. They're on their way down to ancient Egypt because Egypt had a lot of money, but Mm -hmm. it didn't have as many resources. So it was buying its resources from ancient Greeks. And they would buy these huge amounts of olives. So one would assume by today's standards, they liked to cook with these olives. Yeah. Or eat them. Yeah. Turns out not the case. What? Seriously. They're not trying to press and eat them. You would have actually had them be pressed at the at the olive tree. You're not pressing. They're taking the actual raw olive and bringing it down. Why is that? 
Turns out ancient Egyptians figured out pretty early on that olive oil was a great way to mummify the ancient pharaohs. What? I know. Seriously. Seriously. So cool. They, I think so too. So one, we think of oil and we think of like, okay, it, it is tastes delicious and it's yeah. good for your health, but no, they're using it to press it and to have their, their loved ones be preserved till the end of time. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. I know. I know. Every time I cook with some olive oil now, I'm just going to be like, mummy juice. Yay. Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> So gross. I'm sorry. Did I ruin I olive oil too. for somebody? I'm, you know what? Maybe. No, actually you didn't. But that, I guess I still love that stuff. Um, but yeah, so the ancient Egyptians were using it to mummify their, their loved ones. Oh. Reserving the dead. My gosh. Are there any other weird uses for olive oil that people have done throughout time? Totally. Totally. So um, did you know that the Olympics, the ancient mm -hmm. Greek Olympics. So they have, I don't know if you know this, but like sportsmen would, bef showering was kind of hard. Okay. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of water over there, mm -hmm. but they got a lot of olives. So yeah. they press the olives. <laughs> they press the olives until it made a little bit of an oil to, to mm -hmm. made a lot of oil. Yeah. And then they would put it, they would rub it on the oil on their skin mm -hmm. before and after a tournament and before they would use it almost to like as as you can imagine like oil wrestlers like yeah right right but yeah. they, instead of showering they would take this special device kind of like a very thin combed a thin comb mm -hmm. and and that's how they would scrape their bodies clean using oh. olive oil and a certain device that would scrape yeah. their body. It's like the best exfoliant. That's the way yeah. I think of it. It's like an exfoliant. So that's they what all, they were doing. They all probably had amazing baby soft skin. Baby soft skin. That was like oh baking beautifully brown in the sun in right? the Mediterranean <laughs> sun, right? Just goldeny delicious little wrestlers. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this is what was weird. Did you guys know? And I, I certainly didn't know this till I started doing the research. Mm -hmm. Olive oil has a natural SPF. It's of seven. Not a huge amount, but it's uh -huh. enough to protect your body and your skin from wow. the strong Mediterranean sun. But what? ancient Greeks, I'm not sure if they knew that it, that it had this quality, uh -huh. but it definitely protected their skin a bit while they were out running around. Wow. Yeah. Better than SPF zero, I guess. It's better than an SPF zero. Exactly. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. That is bananas. So you were saying that olive trees need a dry climate in order to do their thing and make olives. Why is that? The tree itself is a very, it's a long living tree. As yeah. I told you, it's a thousand years old. It's mm -hmm. thousands of years old for some of them. Yeah. It produces, the reason it produces the fruit is 
well, it just produces a fruit. However, the stronger, what we've discovered is the higher the antioxidant levels Mm -hmm. of the fruit. And we now know about the the science and nutrition of olive oil, of course. Mm -hmm. But the higher the antioxidant levels and antiphenol levels of the fruit, it's because of the, the ability for the tree to kind of starve itself. It's almost using it as a protection from being picked. It's like they, they're they're protecting their, the tree itself is trying to survive in these dry, hot yeah. climates, okay? And so it's producing this fruit. And mm-hmm. as a form of method to like protect the, the tree as a self-defense mechanism, it almost mm-hmm. puts out these anti, these phenol, phen, high phenolic properties oh. that keep the olives very bitter tasting. So it's not a fruit that you want to just take and put in your mouth. I'm not sure if you've ever tried an olive that comes right off of a tree. It is extremely, extremely bitter. And so you don't, you're not going to see a bird going and just plucking olives off of a tree and just eating it because it's not delicious. Wow. It's a very bitter tasting fruit. So the early uses of olives and olive oils were actually not for early consumption. They didn't really know what to do with the fruit in the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's why they started to press the fruit. One of the other interesting things later we've discovered through, um, through research with the Roman Empire. So we're now Mm -hmm. going forward a few hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, And one of the early uses of the, in the Roman Empire was to use olive oil to, as a lighting fuel. It was literally for lamps, lamp oil. Yeah, they weren't, because it was more delicious to cook with a rabbit fat or with a bird fat. Mm -hmm. like a fowl or what. Yeah. So it was more delicious for a lot of people. People weren't getting used to the taste of a bitter fruit. Yeah. You actually need olives to mellow out before they are consumed. So you have to actually let it sit for a little bit. We can yeah. talk if you want about mm-hmm. the process of producing and, cons- you know, uh, a table olive and olive oil. Mm-hmm. But what it, so early, the early uses, it was actually the peasants in the Roman Empire who had to actually there were people who would sell cups and cups of olive oil on the streets of Naples and they would sell it on the streets, like one cup for however many, yeah, whatever the money was at the time. And it would, the the wealthy people and poor people would buy it to use it as fuel to light their lamps in their homes. Okay. (sighs) But it was only the really poor people who would say, you know what, I'm going to use it to light my lamps. And I'm going to actually cook with it and some vegetables because they were eating meat maybe once a year. If wow. they were so that yeah. was the, the wealthy families are the ones who are trying to use it. They would turn their nose up at olive oil as part of food consumption. Oh Thank my gosh. Food. Isn't that the way it goes though? It's the, usually the poor people who discover something delicious and then the rich people are like, Ooh, wait. Hold on. Wait. Let me take this and make it incredibly expensive. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? Let's study it and talk about the polyphenol count. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you were saying that the the olives had to like sit and decay a little bit. So what is the process of making olive oil? How how does that happen? Okay. So there are. There are a couple things, first of all. So mm-hmm. when you're, you're 
olives, olive trees in the northern hemisphere. So think of the Mediterranean, California, in the northern hemisphere that mm -hmm. have the Mediterranean climate. Their harvest season is in the fall from middle of September through early November. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the southern hemisphere, so in the, you know, right now we've got South African olive oil, we've got Africa, South American olive oil. Um, their harvest is in the early spring. Okay. So April mm -hmm. is the seasons. So what happens is there are trees that oftentimes are designated. We're going to keep this amount. If you've, you own some trees, you're going to keep a certain amount as for table olives. And I'll, I'll explain how a table olive is made if you're okay. interested. Um, yeah. yeah. But if you're picking, if you're harvesting in October, for example, in the Northern Hemisphere, and it's time to take your olives, you've got to, the process for picking an olive tree is actually a lot of work. It yeah. takes many, it's really hard labor. And we've got some olive trees at our house in, <laughs> and I am telling you, it is a full on family affair. You've got to wear long pants because it's very dry. Remember I told you it just, it doesn't yeah. mean that very much. So you've got to wear boots and you've got to wear pants and you've got to wear gloves and long sleeve shirts because there are the, the olive tree itself is very straggly. The mm -hmm. brush underneath it is hard and it hurts your toes. So you mm -hmm. lay out these blankets or this these large mats and you take a rake and it depends. Everybody's involved. So the children mm -hmm. are on the lower lower levels of the kid. You make the kids get through labor. Absolutely. Love it. <laughs> yes, they gotta earn their keep, baby. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but you the kids are at the bottom levels of the branches and they're picking the olives and they just throw it to the floor. And then mm -hmm. you've usually got like the grandparents so a little bit older at the middle levels of the tree and then the younger you know younger adults are mm -hmm. usually have the ladder up and we're taking a rake and trying to rake the trees that's how you're how it's usually done so this small little handheld late a rake and it's all being thrown to the bottom of uh, uh underneath the the tree mm -hmm. At the end of the day, because you really can only take, it takes 24 hours. If you go any more than 24 hours, then you lose the quality of the olive oil. So if you think about it, an olive is a fresh fruit. I, can't, yeah. I keep reminding people of that, especially in my classes. Yeah. It is a fresh fruit. As soon as you pick it, it starts to decay. Right. You've got to like take it. You've got to, and then you take it. You have to take it to the press within about 24 hours for mm -hmm. the optimal freshness. So you take it to the to the press, and there it's it's nice to think about the two big stones being turned by a donkey in the ancient yes. days. That ha is how it was done for yeah. the love of history. I have to say it was like very manual. Two thick stones are being pressed, and that's where the juices are running out from underneath it. And yeah. once they got smart, they started having a donkey press one yeah, of the, yeah. the, the turns around it. But mm. nowadays they've got, uh, it's more mechanical and it goes mm -hmm. up through this like little conveyor belt and then it's pressed through in this machine, like washed and because there's a uh, leaves and stones or, and branches are also yeah. in that thing. So it, it, there's a little bit of a rinsing process. And then the olive that comes out and is extracted is actually quite green, liquid oh. gold, according to Homer. That is mm -hmm. how, it, people, that is how much olive oil has meant throughout history. Wow. Homer would call it liquid gold because it was wow. so much. 
And then once it's pressed, it's still rather bitter and green and murky looking. Mm -hmm. And so it actually has to sit for about a month in large containers for the sediment to drop to the bottom and then the olive oil to mellow a bit before it becomes fit for consumption. Wow. Yeah. That is so interesting. A I mean, I do weeks at the minimum, at yeah. the minimum, a couple of weeks, but typically uh, right around a month. So interesting. I've been eating olive oil my whole life and never really knew exactly how it was made. I thought it was just pressed and bottled and then Zimzella bin, there you go. But no, it's oh. a process. It is That's... a lot of work, too. Oh, so interesting. Well, can you give us a few like insider tips on? choosing the best olive oil, maybe some, you know, what's the difference between extra virgin and virgin and all of that other stuff? Oh, absolutely. So it's, this is something that I, I teach in my classes over and over again. So Mm -hmm. I don't want people to get, there's a lot of mislabeling going on Mm -hmm. in the market right now. So extra virgin olive oil means it's the very first press. When you say cold press extra virgin, that's kind of like, over top, what happens is there's there's only so many olive trees in the world that because that's where they can grow in these Mediterranean climate, whether it's the northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere. But we have a lot of people, and in the ancient times, it was like a couple of trees for a family, right? That is typically what we use it for. Um, but now we have a whole lot of people all over the world hearing about the benefits of olive oil. Mm-hmm. And there's still just not as many trees out there for all of the consumption. So wow. what what is a farmer to do? What is a producer to do? Yeah. It turns out what they've discovered is they would boil, they do boil the olive in these large vats of hot mm-hmm. water. And what happens is if you think again, it's always a fruit. It's got a little pit in the middle and it's got skin around the outside. The mm-hmm. skin just expands the flesh pulls away from the pit and then you are able to extract more oil out of it. Okay. So that's what happens when, when they say it's an extra virgin olive oil. Okay. And then once it goes, then, then when they go back into a second press, then they keep like just repeating and pressing and pressing. That becomes a virgin (laughs) olive oil. When they go again, then it's just no longer. Then they'll just say it's look, it's light yellow, but it's not really even the good stuff. anymore. (laughs) Don't even bother with that stuff. Uh, So this is what I, but this is the deal. When you are cooking with olive oil, Mm -hmm. when you're cooking with olive oil, once you apply heat to olive oil, that mm-hmm. polyphenol count is being killed by the heat. Those enzymes are just killing it, right? Okay. So what I tell people is when I'm topping a salad, mm-hmm. I get the expensive stuff, the cold pressed extra virgin olive oil, because the cold okay. pressed stuff has never felt heat. I want mm-hmm. all that polyphenols. I want all the antioxidants in mm-hmm. my mouth. So if I'm topping a salad or topping, um, yeah, typically salad. bread or something. Yeah, yes, bread. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That is exactly when I'm going reaching for the cold press stuff. But if I'm going to be cooking with with olive oil, I might as well already have and not spend the money on the cold press stuff. That's when yeah. I reach for the extra virgin or the virgin olive oil mm-hmm. because that's then it just becomes kind of a lubricant for the pan. To be honest yeah. with you, and the, it's already been this the factory the mm-hmm. olive oil press has already through the heating process to extract extra olive oil has already removed some of that healthy 
antioxidant properties. So if you're going to throw it on a pan, go for it. Don't use yeah. it for that. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> and then, so that's the process of the extracting the difference between the extra virgin olive oil. And what is, in your opinion, the, the best kind of olive oil to have? Is there a place to get it from? Or biases are totally fine. We are a little um, bit biased here. <laughs> yeah, that that is a hard one. I've had that asked me so many times. Like, what's your what's the best olive oil to buy? I, yeah. And really, it comes down to like your taste. What do you mm -hmm. like? I like the, uh, the bitter flavor of a cold pressed extra virgin olive oil there's like a little joke an insider joke for olive oil sommeliers and when i do my olive oil tasting <laughs> classes that i give it's like the one cough two cough if you're like take a shot of it because you uh -huh. do you're supposed to smell it you taste it you, you cover it with your hand and then smell it uh you have to heat it up a little bit so you wow. swirl the, a little bit of olive oil in a cup and then you lift your hand you bring the cup to your nose and you take a good sniff and then you try to see what what are those memories does it taste like a green oh. apple does it taste like an almond it typically takes the terroir of where it has been grown then wow. you take a shot of the olive oil and if you taste it and you do that uh -huh. that little cough uh -huh. And that cough usually indicates that there's a good high polyphenol count. So it really oh. comes down to what your flavor, your, you don't want it so spicy that you no longer enjoy the taste of it. Uh -huh. And you don't want it too bland that there's, mm -hmm. you don't even know if it's, there's any olive oil in it because there's unfortunately a lot of companies that have, they blend their oils. And mm -hmm. unfortunately when it becomes a, a blended olive oil, you have no idea where, where it's coming from. So look for the multi, look, look for the uh, singular cultivars, the single cultivars. Okay. And look for some cold pressed when you're doing your, your olive oils. And then my suggestion is always to taste and to try. I personally, in my house, I have three to four olive oils open at any time. Wow. And, and here's yeah. a little tip. Keep yeah. it in the fridge. Keep it in the fridge. Really? Keep it in a wine fridge. Absolutely. Set at the red wine temperature, which is what, 40, 50 degrees, something like that. Why, Put it in the like fridge. And then before, <laughs> yes, you're welcome. And then when you're about to use it, take it out and before just five to 10 minutes beforehand and let it get almost room temperature. I'm writing this down right now. Please um, write it down. Good, <laughs> good, good, good. That is my purpose. Like, that's my purpose. I wanted to share with you all that. But yeah, the olives and olive tree, it has been revered. Did you know, mm -hmm. did you know that you can't kill an olive tree? You can cut it down to its stump and that baby will keep on growing. So it does not die. That's why they're thousands of years old. It is amazing. I mean, if you, take the roots away, of course. But if you cut it yeah. down and you trim it back because they need to be pruned, mm -hmm. they will keep growing. And that is probably one of the reasons that ancient Greeks have revered yeah. the olive tree for so long. You use the leaves mm -hmm. to, the, the, the leaves of the olive oil, uh, of the olive tree have been used for incense. I was about to say bahori because that's what it is in Greek, <laughs> but it's been incense in churches and religious rituals. Wow. You, you, uh, do you, are you familiar with the term, the anointed one? Like yes. for the Messiah? Of course. Mm -hmm. so we've been using oil, olive oil in religious ceremonies for thousands of years. Wow. Anointing of the, of, 
And and then therefore, when we say Messiah and the anointed one for Jesus mm -hmm. Christ, it was literally because he's been anointed by with olive oil. It has been used for thousands of years for religious ceremonies as well. That it is, is a sacred tree. Yeah, that is amazing. I wonder if there was any like connections to immortality because the olive tree is seemingly indestructible and indestructible. then right Me? and then this you know golden liquid comes out of these gross like fruits that taste bad when you just terrible eat them, but it turns into this goldeny delicious liquid at this oil right. after pressing it that is so interesting i really really want to have a time machine and talk to people back then. <laughs> I know. I know. Same. Same. Amazing. Well, before we um, talk about your upcoming podcast, is there any final little historical tidbits or factoids that you want to share with us about olive oil and their uses? If not, it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. There's also the story of Athena and the mm -hmm. olive tree on the Acropolis. I'm not sure if you're kind of, this one's more not that this one's more of like Greek mythology. Do you yeah. Know? We love mythology here. Oh, do you? Had, yeah. A few mythology, I know authors come on. Oh, really? So we're totally into mythology to tell late on us. So there was a king, according to Greek myth, um, before Athens was named Athens, mm -hmm. the king wanted a city to have a patron deity. So two people stepped forward. It was Athena and Poseidon. Mm -hmm. So they had to have a contest, whichever deity could present the most useful gift to its people mm -hmm. would be you know, ground could be the patron of the Acropolis, which is Ooh. the biggest city, of course, in mm -hmm. ancient worlds. So Poseidon presented his gift, which is the gift of the trident, and mm -hmm. he made a salt spring out of it. And Athena said, I can top that because she's an <laughs> awesome ass woman. Let's be real. Yeah, she is. <laughs> and she, she presented her gift, which she pierced the ground with a spear, made a hole and planted an olive tree. And of um, course, the olive tree we know has many uses from the leaves, from the fruit, from the oil, from the food, from the tree itself, making furniture. And so because of this competition, the city went to be named after Athena because mm. the olive tree what she planted was the gift that kept on giving to ancient Greece. Oh my gosh. That is fantastic. Of course it was a goddess. Of oh, course, of course it, was. it was. Who gave us this delicious, wonderful oil that everybody has loved for like thousands of years. Totally. Oh my gosh, Claudia. Thank you so much. That was excellent. I'm so a glad. final I'm little so olive oil tidbit. So to you know, end our episode today. I would love for you to talk to us about your upcoming podcast. And when this episode comes out, it will be officially out for a few weeks. So go straight to Claudia's episodes right after you listen to this episode, please. And thank you. So tell us all about um, If This Food Could Talk. Yeah. So If This Food Could Talk was a brainchild. We uh, I, I really think of food, and I've mentioned this to you, uh, mm -hmm. I really think of food as a vehicle to transport us back in time. So if this yeah. food talk is a food history show, it Love is it. literally, a, we're focused on food. How does this food take us back in time? 
And what has it seen? So in the case of the olive tree, going back from the Minoan period, maybe even further back, what has it seen over the civilizations? And then how have we been able to bring it forward and use it in today's world? So it's a kind of a food history show, but we also do a bit of cooking in the, because I teach cooking classes. So I got to get through the like, all right, how do you use olive oil? How do you use like all that kind of stuff in in, um, a delicious recipe or two? So I think it's really cool because we have some great shows that we've already got. So the history of pizza and bread from the Persian Empire forward, we've talked about. And and then we are so lucky because we're part of APT Podcast Studios. So Mm -hmm. APT is American Podcast, uh, American Public Television. Mm-hmm. And American Public T- Television is the leading syndicate for PBS. So we've got mm-hmm. all these amazing PBS guests on our show as well. We have we've got the history of ice cream, like how it has transformed America. And I am talking from George and Martha Washington serving it at the executive office, and they do crazy stuff. They were like. Franksters and Dolly Madison and Thomas Jefferson, all these like people that we think of as like being really royal and stoic, stoic statesmen and the founding yeah. fathers. And they they actually had great senses of humor oh and they used to throw raging parties. So we talked <laughs> about that. And I love that. And we have Samantha Brown, who is a travel host for the mm-hmm. last 25 years in public media. She does Samantha Brown's uh, best travel places she's Mm -hmm. she comes on to our show and talks to us about some of her favorite ice creams that she has tasted and seen in singapore and taiwan and you you know it's just so beautifully done we've got on this olive oil episode we have Mm -hmm. my greek table chef diane kuchilas who shares with us how she herself has an olive tree that's 500 years old in the back of her house and how she I know because like everybody does, right? And then she uh, she talks, shares with us one of her favorite salad dressing recipes Ooh. using Greek olive oil and Greek honey. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've got a lot of great. And Jacques Pepin is a guest on our show. Jacques Pepin is has been cooking. He's got over thirty cookbooks. He wow. a French chef. He taught. He had television shows with Julia Child for over 30 years and he's joining us on the show too I'm so excited to meet him I get to meet him when this show comes out I'll have already met him but I get to meet him (laughs) and we talk to him about his time as like as a chef uh, and then what are some of his favorite foods that he's been able to bring with him from France his homeland and France to the modern world so to to America and how he loves to keep teaching people so yeah we've got a lot of really salivating stories a lot of really (laughs) cool like you know random stuff in history that i know that you love and your guests love in history and we've got delicious recipes to be to kind of throw on it because it's fun i love that i'm so excited i cannot wait for the first episode to come out we we love weird history here we love food history here we love amazing guests and i cannot wait to hear you as the host of this amazing show so once again claudia's upcoming show but it will be out when this airs um is if this food could talk there will be links to her show and all of her social medias in the show notes. So please, please, please go check that all out. And uh, with that, I will say thank you 
so much, Claudia. I really appreciate you taking the time to be a guest on For the Love of History. It has been totally my pleasure. You are such a lovely human being. The biggest <laughs> smile, always smiling. I just like, you've got such great energy. So thank you for thank having you. me. It's you are so welcome. Thank you. Well, dear one, thank you so much for joining me and Claudia on this wonderful episode. I know so much more about olive oil and you can learn more about food from all over the world and the history of it by tuning in to Claudia's podcast, If This Food Could Talk. Thank you again for joining us and supporting For the Love of History. If you haven't already, please consider leaving a rating or a review that really helps other history BFFs find the podcast through the algorithm. And if you'd like to support the podcast in other ways, you can head on over to YouTube for the Love of History podcast and subscribe there. It's free 99 and they really, really do help. And if you'd like some extra special history bonus content, you can join us over at patreon.com slash for the love of history. There is a link in the bio in the show notes. We do all sorts of fun bonus things there. And if you'd like to represent your history BFF club membership or your delicious donutness, you can head on over to For the Love of History's merch store and get yourself a cute little mug or a t-shirt or a sweater or, uh, you know, a tank top, a, a bag. There are so many things. There's so many cool things going on over there. And with that, I will finish out this episode by telling you to do something kind for yourself. Treat yourself to a fun little snack or like a fancy drink or something like that. And make sure that you're drinking your water, please. And thank you very much. And I will see you next week for our second special guest of the season. Okay, love you. Bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Okay. <laughs> What's something you learned in history class that you feel like wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, What's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. My name is Andre White, the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.